Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work and spirituality. Every month, I will also be featuring a small to medium sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Care Goddess Podcast. Thank you for joining me today, wherever you are around the world. Thank you, thank you for um, making this podcast part of your day. So today, we're going to be talking about something really close to my heart and something that, of course, has really been a driving mission to what I'm doing in this world. So before we get to that, I'll be talking, it's going to be a solo podcast about the um, syndrome that I actually actually had. So here's a little hint, had polycystic ovarian syndrome and um, how I reversed it. So stay tuned. But before we do that, I would love for us to tune into our bodies. So let's get out of our head and connect with our bodies through our breath. So a little quick coherence technique here from the HeartMath Institute. So allowing the inhales to come in through the nose feeling the expansion of the diaphragm, the rib cage, the chest, and then just releasing with an exhale. Ah, through our mouth, maybe a slight opening of the mouth and just sighing it out. So inhales through the nose and releasing. That's it. Doing a couple of these on your own time and really allowing yourself to check in. How are you doing? Are there any parts of your body that are feeling tension or perhaps stiffness? Or maybe they're sore. Breathe into those areas. Research is now showing that if we focus our attention and send beautiful oxygenated blood to those areas, we relax those areas and release the tension and the stress. And now I invite you to focus your attention in the area of the heart and breathe directly into this beautiful organ that's keeping you alive. And as you breathe into this heart-focused breathing, 
I invite you to, to visualize someone that you're grateful for today. Visualize them as if they're right here in front of you. And let's send them all the love, the gratitude, and the appreciation for them being in your life. Let's inhale together. And exhale. Beautiful job, everybody. Thank you for participating in that. So moving forward to our solo podcast, which is all about polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it is, as I mentioned, something super, um, super close to the heart um, because it makes myself a little vulnerable in telling you my personal healing story. Um, but I do want to share this so that more and more people understand the the ability of our body to really self-heal when we give it the right environment. So when I started menstruating at the age of 15, my periods were irregular. I would menstruate every about 30 days, so every three months. And uh, I did also carry a little bit more um, extra belly fat. And um, to the point where my brother-in-law used to call it my little fanny pouch jerk <laughs> not um so i approached my my doctor my family doctor and she did recommend i go on birth control um to regulate my period and something innately innately in me told me to nah i'd rather not i'd rather be okay with as long as i get my my cycle with this three-month cycle and because i played a lot of sports i decided that a three-month cycle was going to suit me just fine so it never really bothered me too much and i never really paid too much attention to to it but in my um early 30s when i was obviously thinking of fertility and other things i i started looking into this a little bit more Right, because obviously there are things um, that you read that say that uh, PCOS does cause infertility and so forth. Right, but I did have other symptoms as well, like excessive bloating, irregular bowel movements, uh, brain fog. My skin was dry, and uh, very often I would get these really puffy um, uh, right under my eyes anytime. And then I, you know, I sort of correlated this anytime I eat dairy and also had, um, red wine. So the sulfites in the red wine caused that, but I decided to see a functional medicine doctor. And this was in Dubai when I was living in Dubai and she was amazing. Shout out to Dr. Leila. And, um, so she ran multiple tests, so many tests, cause we wanted to get to the root cause of what was causing all of these, symptoms that I had, right? Because obviously my body was reacting to either the foods, the environment, or lack of uh, nutritional um, vitamins that I had. So we took a bunch of tests and she confirmed that I had a mild case of PCOS and what she, what I, which I knew, right? But what I didn't know was that I was borderline pre-diabetic, pre-diabetic levels, right? And working alongside her, I started doing even more further research and listening to podcasts, YouTube, reading books and articles. And I, I knew that I wanted to do anything and everything in my control to reverse my condition, right? I just had it in me that it can be done or at least not make it worse. 
So I, um, because like I, I am now, I'm convinced that the more we provide the right fertile environment for our body, the better it can function. And then this innate intelligence kicks in and allows us to self heal, but, but doesn't just self heal the condition. It's the entire body that heals. Anyway, more on that in just a bit. So what the heck is PCOS, right? It actually stands for polycystic ovarian uh, syndrome and ovarian syndrome, and it's a hormonal disorder, okay, among women of reproductive age. It's very, very common, very common. It's actually very scary how common it is, right? That almost to the fact where people are considering it normal, but it's not. So more specifically, there's an excess of buildup of a group of hormones called androgens, okay? But studies show that insulin resistance also play a key role. And gonad, um, abnormal gonads, the dynamics of play there, they also play a role in causing this PCOS condition. So the hormonal imbalance can cause many fluid-filled cysts to form on the ovaries, which can cause a whole gamut of symptoms. So PCOS is one of the most common conditions, as I mentioned earlier, that affect um, the menstrual cycle and reproductive health as well. Yet it's so frequently misunderstood and even worse, misdiagnosed, right? So let me clear up some common misconceptions about this condition. Myth number one, everyone with PCOS has ovarian cysts. Nope. It's actually possible to have PCOS with no ovarian cysts. And it's possible to have ovarian cysts without PCOS. So to be diagnosed with PCOS, a person only needs to meet two out of three conditions, ovarian cysts, irregular periods, or testosterone excess. Myth number two, everyone with PCOS should take the birth control pill. Nope. The, the pill is commonly prescribed to women with PCOS, but in far, but it is, it is far from the only option and does not address the whole picture, right? So whole body strategy, a holistic look at a solution that relies on nutrition, lifestyle, and stress management can also be powerful ways to manage PCOS, just as I did. Myth number three, everyone with PCOS is overweight. That's not true either. While it's true that PCOS can cause many women to gain weight, this is not an absolute. Also, weight loss becomes easier when we address the deeper metabolic patterns of PCOS, like changes in cortisol and insulin resistance. Myth number four, you can get pregnant with PCOS. Wrong again. Even though PCOS is a common cause of infertility, it does not mean that pregnancy is impossible, particularly, okay, if you work to support your hormones and reproductive health through diet, lifestyle, and obviously just a whole holistic look at it like supplementation as well. So you're going to hear me say this a lot because it this is really what we should be looking at is the root cause and understanding the root cause through these various different angles. Myth number five, PCOS will go away at menopause. That's not true either. PCOS disrupts far more than the menstrual cycle. Its effects on insulin resistance, cortisol, inflammation, and weight gain continue and sometimes may even worsen after menopause. So even though PCOS is a complex condition disrupting numerous hormones and metabolic pathways, it does not mean you, you need to feel bad for the rest of your life or it's something that you're going to have for the rest of your life. 
We have an extensive set of tools available to us through a holistic wellness lens to support hormonal metabolic health in treating or um, addressing PCOS. So how PCOS actually disrupts our metabolism. So most people think of PCOS as a hormonal condition, but it actually affects both the hormones and the metabolism, right? So hormonal patterns typically seen in PCOS include elevated testosterone, causing hair to grow in all the wrong places, or acne beyond the teenage years, and estrogen dominance, right? Estrogen, high, it's either high estrogen uh, or high estrogen and low progesterone, right? But there are some ways PCOS interacts with your metabolism, insulin resistance. So, and that hence is that little fanny pouch, right? Usually that's an insulin resistance um, situation. So ins insulin resistance is strongly associated with PCOS. And this actually leads to elevated blood sugar, high cholesterol and trouble losing weight. Chronic inflammation. PCOS is often accompanied by increased levels of inflammation throughout the body, and this can make it harder to maintain blood sugar balance and a healthy weight. Thyroid function. So women with PCOS are more likely than the general population to also be diagnosed with low thyroid function, low, not high. This translates to a slower metabolism, fatigue, and oftentimes accompanied by gain weight. So why does this even matter? Because if all we do is look at testosterone and estrogen levels in PCOS, we're actually missing a huge opportunity to be able to actually get to the root cause of what's causing it. So we need to see what's, we need to get to the root cause of PCOS as a, again, a whole body connection, right? A whole body condition to, to address, right? From a holistic lens, right? And one thing that we need to do is support thyroid function at the same time working to um, suppress inflammation, right? Or avoid inflammation and, Surprise, surprise, stress can also play an integral part in messing with both hormones and metabolism. So let's talk a little bit about stress. How does stress affect PCOS? Sometimes people with PCOS continue to struggle with symptoms even when they're following a healthy diet, exercising, and taking supplements. Why? Because of stress. On a biochemical, and this was super interesting for me, because on a biochemical level, the culprit is cortisol. Why? Because the hormone we pump out in response to stress is cortisol. Cortisol is useful in the short term, of course. We need that stress response when we are in danger, right? Or give us that energy to respond to that stress. But it's really damaging if produced too much for too long, right? And we are in this sort of, most of us are in this sort of constant fight or flight mode, right? So in PCOS, cortisol can worsen insulin resistance. It can increase testosterone even more, interfere with thyroid function and decrease progesterone and even more. So the last point is key here. And this was super interesting as well. well all of it is super interesting for me, but this was super interesting because I didn't know that cortisol is actually made in part from progesterone. So that means that stress actually steals progesterone to make cortisol, right? It's going to prioritize making that cortisol. It's going to prioritize saving you because of this perceived threat or lack of safety, right? When you're in this fight or flight mode. So since progesterone is already low in PCOS already, remember, this can actually worsen 
right? Make things even worse. It may seem like a small and insignificant thing, but managing stress is a silent killer, right? It's an extremely important part of feeling good and thriving despite a diagnosis of PCOS. So some small habits, I mean, we talk about these all the time. These are most, you know, the self-care habits at the end of all each and every single podcast when I interview my guests, right? They give me their top three self-care habits. Usually most of them are some sort of stress reduction or looking at stress and anxiety and how to mitigate it or manage it. But these, these small habits like getting enough sleep, right? Moving your body, drinking plenty of water, taking that time to really just be and relax, right? Scheduling that into your schedule. These can all add up on a daily basis and make such a big difference, right? Um, so managing stress has actually played a crucial role for me. I was one of those people that was stressed, but I didn't know that I was stressed. I was feeling okay, but you know, little did I know that my cortisol was super high and I had adrenal dysfunction. That's usually always related to some sort of stress uh, response as well in relation to cortisol and insulin. Right. So when, once I got all the, all of these tests back, I had a better picture of how I was handling stress. Right. Uh, but that was the, that directly contributed to my um, PCOS symptoms. And that's maybe what can be causing your symptoms too, right? So that's why I started exercising um, more regularly. But I think my saving grace was taking up yoga more seriously. Once I was on the yoga mat, I was it was so easy to stay present, focused on my breathing and my postures and really leaving my worries outside the studio. It was just amazing. Some days were better than others, of course, but I really did feel great after each class, which inspired me to just keep going, right? And the natural progression from the three to five minute meditation in Shavasana which is that corpse pose, that last pose at the end of the yoga class led me to further embrace meditation. So I started doing five minute guided meditations to really set the tone for the day. And these meditations yet opened me up to yet another channel of stress mastery, which is this conscious breath work that now I'm, I'm super passionate about as well. And so until this day, I'm really really adamant about including yoga, meditation, breath work, and some sort of movement as part of my, my morning wellness routine, right? And we all know our bodies need to move, right? By making it happen, but making it happen can be a little tough every day, but there's, uh, you know, little things that, um, that you can do during the day or first thing in the morning or at night after dinner, like sort of really squeezing in that walk or in between your calls, right? Even it's a, even if it's a five-minute walk, just getting out there, preferably in nature, would be ideal for everybody, right? Um, but some of the things that sort of keep most, and this is through research shows, keep people motivated to actually move their body and sort of stay active every day is just remembering your why, you know, why are you doing this? What's the meaning behind it? Is it because you want, you know, it's for aesthetic purposes, you want to look better, you want to feel better, you want to be able to play with your grandchildren and not be out of breath, you know, so it's sort of these, why do you want to do what you want to do? Why do you want to get that your health to that better place, right? And a lot of times tracking progress helps people to stay on track, just maybe by uh, the wearables that are out there right now to, um, or maybe even just the old paper, you know, old paper and pen calendar and setting some sort of progress to, to feel motivated and to stay motivated. And then, you know, last but not least rewarding yourself. That's what research shows is sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, taking a day to just 
be and go to a spa or, um, you know, just sort of go out and do some hiking or something like that, just to kind of um, keep yourself on track and not maybe if the gym is not something for you or not something that you don't want to do every day, you can incorporate different types of movement. But as long as you're moving throughout the day, every day, right? And it kills me when I see people are fighting for a parking spot when I'm going to the gym. It's like, you're going to the gym, park as far as possible, right? That's kind of how I see it, park as far as possible, and then just kind of use that as your warm up. So another important lifestyle intervention for me, and of course, research backs this up is optimizing sleep, right? Now, I used to be a night owl. And um, I did notice that when I went to bed before midnight, I woke up feeling so much better. So I did decide to change my evening routine and ensure that I put on my blue light blocking glasses, preferably after sunset. I avoid um, electronics uh, right before sleep and I avoid uh, leading, uh, eating late night snacks, keeping the room, you know, a temperature really cold or, or somewhat cold, maybe not really cold. Um, and also sleeping naked. Why not? If you can, and you have that luxury and because research shows that you actually sleep better. And I also aim to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep each night. So this evening routine has definitely helped me. And when I don't follow it, I do end up paying the consequences the next day, feeling not rested and sometimes even grumpy. So another lifestyle hack besides sleep is embracing more mindful mindfulness, right? Just inviting a pause whenever I can. And a good uh, way to do this is actually when, when we're eating. So right before we actually um, eat, right, we can sort of tune in. And I actually have a YouTube video on this. You can check it out. It's mindful eating meditation. It's literally, I think, four minutes. And and just sort of, you know, say thank you and say grace and be grateful that you, this food was prepared. Maybe you prepared it, maybe somebody else prepared it and just sort of tune into that and, um, and turn off any distractions. You know, the worst thing you can do is watch stressful news while you're eating. Because guess what? Your body does not know the difference between real danger and perceived danger. So if you're reading really stressful news, your body thinks it's going through that. So it's not going to prioritize digestion. It's going to prioritize that stress uh, response. So just be mindful of that. Uh, mindful walking, you know, focus on your senses, on your body and everything around you from the pavement beneath you to the breeze on your skin. You know, that's really cool when you're going for those walks, right? Not having your phone and just like really walking um, mindfully and a mindful body scan, you know, pause at your desk in the office or take a moment to rest on your couch and close your eyes and just scan your body from toes to the top of your head and just sort of see what's going on there. What is there any tension that you're feeling, right? These, these are really easy ways to incorporate mindfulness into your day. And really none of them seem to be to take any real amount of time out of your busy day, right? And the rewards are so worth it. You know, there's less stress, calmer mood, more mood regulation as well, better focus and better energy. So give it a try. Give any of these a try. 
So as a certified nutritionist, I will now talk about food and its connection to PCOS, right? Because of course, PCOS is often accompanied by insulin resistance and weight gain. So nutrition can really be a powerful tool to support hormonal health and metabolic health in PCOS. And it doesn't have to be so complicated. You know, I work with my clients to find nutritious foods that are easy to make and that they enjoy so that healthy eating can become a way of life. It's a lifestyle as opposed to a diet, right? And there are some foods that you consume that can actually be worsening your PCOS. So these are some the top five foods to avoid. Number one, sugary drinks. We're just we're not just talking about soda here, right? Sweetened tea, fancy coffee drinks, and juices all cause the blood sugar to spike and worsen the metabolic issues of PCOS. Number two, processed snacks. So snacks like crackers, cookies, and chips are typically high in carbohydrates and unhealthy fats right? Unless they're non-GMO and they're really trusted organic brands, right? Both um, which the, you know, highly processed carbohydrates and unhealthy fats, they worsen insulin resistance, right? Period. So imagine in PCOS. Um, cereal, box cereals and granola can be a hidden source of sugar. That is a stress, of course, to the body and blood sugar. Fried foods, so fried foods are typically high in trans fats, um, which interfere with the action of insulin and worsen inflammation, right? So we know that these high um, trans fat foods, they actually cause um, inflammation. So it's already present in PCOS, so you're just worsening your case, right? You're moving away from actually reversing it or dealing with it. So number five is alcohol. So I'm sorry to say, because um, that this, you know, makes me sad too. I do love my Apatol spritz and I love my wine as well. But now I'm a lot more conscious um, in terms of quantity and, you know, when I choose to to drink. So alcohol, alcoholic drinks um, not only disrupt blood sugar, but also place a, a strain on the liver, which can play a key role in hormone um, metabolism. Okay, because it's the liver that helps us to break down those hormones. So when I was living in Dubai, at the time when I did, um, obviously, I was dealing with my PCOS, and it got worse was because it's such an eating out culture, right, of processed foods, unhealthy fats, and just excess of everything, including alcohol and late nights, right, which was impacting my health in a very terrible way. So that's when I decided to do more cooking and eating at home, I removed the refined sugars, gluten, dairy, and bad uh, fats from my diet. I also drastically limited my consumption of high glycemic and starchy carbohydrates. And basically, I went back to my roots and adopted a Mediterranean style diet. And I ensured I was eating enough fiber through copious amounts of mostly non-starchy vegetables and eventually stopped eating meat, which, you know, I feel really good um, without it. So I'm not saying that a vegetarian diet, because I actually do eat fish. So if you had to label me, I guess it would be a pescatarian diet, but I it's vegan when it comes to desserts, um, vegan and gluten-free. But I mean, you know, it's what works for you. We're all very different. And that's why I, I highly recommend working with someone, getting tested and really understanding what foods really energize you and support your well-being as opposed to sabotaging it, right? So for the most part, I eat mostly organic and non-GMO foods and I supplement a lot. 
Okay, I take a lot of supplements, vitamins and minerals that my ex actually used to freak out how much I used to spend on supplements every month. But um, it's something that, you know, I'm investing in my health now as opposed to investing in illness or sickness later, right? And I also, this was really important too, I switched to drinking better quality water because obviously it makes a difference what we are nourishing ourselves with. So a few um, years later, I decided to give intermittent fasting a try as well, that that produced amazing results, worthy of definitely a separate podcast. So stay tuned about that. And I am convinced that fasting helped me balance my hormones, which in turn, along with my clean diet and lifestyle habits, um, helped lessen my PCOS symptoms and eventually was a contributor to reversing my condition. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. So I do recommend, especially over the summer months, cooling foods that work better to promote hydration and provide, you know, natural electrolytes. So instead of grabbing that bag of chips or salty snacks, stay cool with these refreshing summer snacks like coconut water, right? It's rich in minerals, including potassium and magnesium. So it's perfect for if you are fasting, you can drink that because it doesn't break your fast and it gives you those electrolytes that you need. It's similar to a sports drink. I don't know why they're not promoting it in sports um, because it doesn't have the sugar, right? That um, <clears throat> Gatorade does. It can replenish um, fluids and it has the right amount of electrolytes, right? And the right ratio. Mother Nature, that's what she does. Um, melon, so watermelon, cantaloupe, and honeydew are delicious summer fruits that provide antioxidant and keep you really hydrated. And cucumbers are um, as well. And did you know that cucumbers are melons? They're considered melons. Isn't that interesting? Uh, peppermint iced tea. So peppermint can ease digestion and freshen breath, but it also it's also very cooling um, food. So you can actually try it um, when the heat picks up. And cilantro. So cilantro is coriander. Cilantro, it's packed with micronutrients and it really has a very nice gentle detoxifying effect. So you can actually sprinkle it over your melon salad or into your water or spritzer. So let me know um, which one is your favorite cooling snack, but these can really help you keep hydrated along with obviously help uh, drinking high quality filtered water. Because what I like to say is if you're not using a filter, you are that filter. And we all know how horrible um, what's in our tap water is actually really, really frightening. Speaking of toxic load and um what my lab test showed and what to do about it, right? So what my lab test showed were high levels of mercury, hence the brain fog and other symptoms that I had. And that was probably from eating copious amounts of tuna in a can. I used to eat a lot because it was a quick meal and I love it actually. But now um, I noticed that I was also very sensitive to perfumes cleaning products and air fresheners. I would literally get nauseous. So I actually decided to live a more toxic-free lifestyle. I lowered my toxic load, right, by giving up my tuna. So now I literally have it maybe once every, <sighs> maybe a couple of months. I still I still miss it. It's still a very tasting fish, but, you know, um, it is a big fish. So it actually bioaccumulates other toxins from the other fish that the tuna eats. So that's why there's higher levels of mercury in a tuna versus uh, an anchovy, for example, or a mackerel. So switching to chemical-free personal care and home products, right? Um, I've done that and it's really helped me a lot. I've noticed a difference. I stopped wearing perfume. Yep, only essential oil blends for me now, where um, I do get my family members seeing that I smell like earth. 
Um, so I did switch my coffee to organic and I also try to avoid foods that are toxic pesticides. So I do love EWG's, um, dirty dozen and clean 15, but I usually just sort of prefer to dirty dozen and try to eat those foods, mostly organic. And, um, basically I reduce my, my exposure to xenoestrogens, which are uh, chemicals that mimic estrogen as um, and act as hormone disruptors, right? And that really helped me to um, feel better, look better and have a good amount of energy throughout the day. So as I mentioned, supplementation was a key role in helping me to um, address PCOS, but I'd like to, instead of talking about, you know, certain um, supplements, because I can be, this can also be another podcast on its own. Um, it's just sort of some things to evaluate when you are thinking of supplementation, because supplementation is very, all of it is very personalized, but supplementation is as well. So I also recommend working with someone and understanding what are your nutrient deficiencies and then really tackling it from that perspective, as opposed to sort of just getting something that everybody's raving about, right? But some things to consider, and these are some questions that you should also talk to your practitioner about, you know, is what you're giving me age appropriate, right? Children need lower amounts of most vitamins and minerals than adults. Teenage boys need more zinc to support hormone health. Menstruating people need more iron to replace lost blood. And older adults have a higher need for vitamins like B12, right? So these are some sort of things that having the right supplement at the right age and stage, you know, is it bioavailable? So that means is it easily absorbed and readily utilized by the body? So for, um, I'm not sure if you know that there's two forms of B12, there's methylcobalamin and it's actually preferred over cyanocobalamin. And this is because it's more highly available. And the research shows that if you're from Mediterranean descent, you most likely have a SNP. So you have a, a sort of a, a spelling mistake in your DNA to actually process B12. So you need that um, methyl. You need a methylated already because you your DNA has that SNP that does not have the methylation. So that's important. And of course, you know, different. There are seven different types of magnesium, right? So looking at the right type that is preferred with the objective and benefit that you're seeking, and also looking at other ingredients, right? Are there any binders, artificial colors, flavors, sweeteners, right? So jump to other ingredients and and actually see what what are they putting in there, right? That is not harming your health. That's why not all vitamins are created equal, and that's why I wouldn't just go to any you know, pharmacy or grocery store, I would actually go to a health food store because typically they have better quality. All right. So just to wrap up, the take-home message is that, you know, this quote that really, really um, resonated with me when I first heard it by Thomas Fuller is um, health is not valued until sickness comes, right? So why why wait till sickness? Let's try to prevent. But if you do, if you have been diagnosed with PCOS, know that it is reversible. Okay. Because I've done it. And if I've done it, that means you can do it. And it was just such a, a joy when I went for my follow-up ultrasound where it's clearly, and I always show this on uh, to every um, presentation, the actual 
um, report. So it actually showed, you know, the reason for the ultrasound is because of irregular menses and polycystic ovarian syndrome. And then the results that there are no apparent cysts around my ovaries. So that was my aha moment because I was going for a regular checkup, just thinking, okay, you know, they're going to, it's going to show some poly um, ovarian syndromes around my cysts and sorry, cysts around my ovaries. And it didn't. And that's when I was, I knew I was convinced of the power of reversing conditions that many say that it's irreversible, right? Or many rely on meds to sort of mitigate it or, or manage it when you can actually reverse it naturally through holistic um, lens of lifestyle, nutrition, and of course, supplementation. So you are more than welcome to actually um, download my Escape Hormonal Health Rescue Guide, which, um, and there's also a checklist. It's on my website. It's on my Instagram, on my linked tree there. And um, it gives you sort of a more information on how to do this strategically. But I also highly, highly recommend, as I mentioned, just reaching out to somebody who knows what they're doing and um, seeing if perhaps it's a fit for you to work with them and so that you can really develop some self-care habits that actually promote well-being and to help the body, remember, remove that interference and give the body its innate intelligence to self-heal. So you're not like what I did, right? I helped my, my body heal so that it helped with the insulin resistance, it helped with the stress management, it helped with the PCOS. So thank you again for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And if you loved it, please share this amazing information and see you next time. Ciao for now. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian CMOS. Check them out and get some awesome CMOS at www.stlucianCMOS.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.